look forward to being around people because uh, what can they add to my life, amen? What do they know that I don't know? What, did, what have they experienced that I've not experienced? Uh, and, and so, you know, if you only, if you only hang around uh, people that, uh, the same people all your life, and you never get to know anybody else, then it's really hard to learn anything new, amen? Uh, and so, uh, the nice thing about uh, hanging around the Word is uh, the Word of God is revelation knowledge. So it's not just information in the book because if it was only information, we could study it all one time and be done. Amen. You wouldn't really have to go back and get any more information, but it's revelation knowledge, which means you can go back to the same verse, you know, a dozen times and, uh, and still learn new information. Amen. Uh, and I'm convinced of that. You know, I, I, my expectation is no matter how many times I've read a verse that uh, I never have the, the expectation that that's all there is to know about that. And that, uh, uh, and so if you go to the Word of God with that expectation, the Spirit of God will meet you there and will grant you revelation and insight and wisdom and knowledge about things that you never knew about. Amen. And so let's pray and we'll get into the Word tonight. So, Father, we come to you humbly uh, as we approach your Word, looking for the Spirit of God to speak to us, to reveal your Word to us, to grant to us revelation and wisdom and understanding about how to apply your Word to our lives. We thank you, Father, for the great teacher and the instructor. And Father, we thank you that we come to your word with open hearts, Father, ready minds to receive that which the Spirit of God will speak to us tonight. We thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of, of Philippians chapter uh, 3 there. We'll continue our, our teaching here. We, of course, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and um, uh, this is a... Uh, a verse-by-verse study. In fact, I was talking to uh, Pastor Edwin uh, as he's uh, getting ready to come to the services on um, uh, this weekend. And uh, like me, he teaches in series, right? So he'll teach a series. And, you know, some of our series, sometimes they're short. You know, they may be a few weeks, uh, but oftentimes they're, they're uh, longer, right? So, so Sunday morning, we typically don't study as much on Sunday mornings as long as we have on the Sermon on the Mount. That's a lot, long, a lot longer study than we normally do. Normally, they're you know a month or two, maybe a few months. Um, but uh, like uh, Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians, we've been doing those for years, right? And and so we've been doing Philippians for at least a year or two. And um, we're, the nice thing about that is you don't have to be in a hurry, right? You, we don't have a goal to try to get done with the Book of Philippians by X amount of time. Well, we're we're here till we're here, right? And so no need to try to rush through it. Uh, we take our time and, and uh, get as much out of it as we can because there's always good information to learn out of all of these scriptures. And so, and he has done the same thing where he's taught series all of his career, uh, all of his uh, ministry time. And uh, it's different though. He's going to have to come here and, and pack everything he knows in one service, right? And so, actually two. Uh, well, that's, that's uh, uh, the, 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 way that you move, because the Spirit of God is always with us, amen, as you preach and teach the Word of God, the expectation is that the Spirit of God is here, and uh, that my job is to yield to the Spirit of God as he, as he directs us about what to say and where to go in the Scriptures, and you do that whether you're preaching a one sermon or you're preaching a series of sermons, uh, but learning that flow with the Spirit of God to get there, it's a different flow, it's a different, uh, it's a different environment with the, with the Spirit of God, and so it, it takes some amount of time to, to do that. And I remember years ago when we started doing um, jail ministry, uh, the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said, because uh, I would do typically two services, a Sunday uh, afternoon and a Thursday evening, uh, and I would do, you know, do those uh, maybe several times in a row, sometimes uh, just one time. Uh, but this, but uh, I would also teach at church. So I would teach the adult Sunday school class at church. And so when I would do the adult Sunday school class, I would do kind of like I do here. I've got notes and I put together a, a message, and I teach it for a month or two, and then somebody else would take over the class, and we would kind of uh, revolve the instructors for the adult Sunday school class. And the pastor, the, our pastor was really gracious in that because it gave you an opportunity to you know, put together the notes and the studying and all that stuff. But when I went to the jail ministry, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I don't want you to use any notes. Just go with your Bible, and I'll show you what to, what to open up your Bible to when you get there. Uh, well, for a person who, who likes notes, you know, that can be a little bit, not nerve-wracking, but a little bit uncomfortable, right? Because uh, where do you start? And then where do you go? And where's all the verses that you need? 
Uh, and so uh, he said, just go with your Bible. And, then, uh, uh, and, uh, and he did that because he wanted to train me about how to uh, work with him in the service, right? How to yield to him, how to, how to sense the movement. He says, go to a different verse or you know, add this verse or say these things. Uh, and so it was really good training because um, you, know, you still go with the desire that you've got to help the people. And so you'd still, you know, I would still do the normal studying and, and praying and preparation for the services, but I wouldn't put together any particular notes or topics or even, you know, uh, the subject that I was going to speak on. I would just go basically, and, and uh, when I'd show up, all right, Lord, where are we going to go? What book are we going to open up to? Uh, and so, you know, in that, it's a good training because you get to learn how to work with the Spirit of God. He said that we are laborers together with Him. So it's not just... Uh, uh, well, I've got these canned sermons, and, and uh, we used to have a, a, uh, an evangelist that come to my pastor's church. And, and he kind of told off on himself. He said, you know, I only have seven messages. I preach all over the country. I only have seven messages. And I'll preach one at uh, one church. I go to the next church. I preach number two. And I go to the third church. I preach number three. And I get to number seven. I start back over at number one. Well, you know, uh, how I, I mean, I've got this... this uh, I mean, we've been doing... Um, the book of Philippians now for, let's see how long we've been doing the book, book, book of Philippians. Well, I don't have my notes here, but um, it's uh, been a couple of years. And, and um, here, I'll tell you here in a second. We'll do it this way. So this is, this is um, message number 253, and I started putting it together in December of 2020. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I've got hundreds of messages that I could go back uh, and, and, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll preach a message, uh, repeat a message here at the church if it's something that the Lord wants me to go back and teach again because, you know, you got new people coming in all the time and, and so it may be helpful to go back and reteach a message. And when you do that, you go back and I go back and review all my notes and, uh, you know, see if there's anything else that the Lord wants to add to that. And it's rare that I don't add more information to those messages. Uh, but he had seven. Uh, and, 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 you know, to me, it was a little bit of a, Admission that he's not uh, trying to make his, um, uh, trying to improve his skill of being a minister. He just was uh, almost, uh, you know, I hate to say lazy, but, but it, sounded a little, it sounded lazy to me, right? It sounded like, well, I don't want to put the work into doing that. As opposed, because if you go with, oh, you're, you're, number, you're number six today. Well, how do you know that the Lord wants to preach number six to those people? Maybe they need number three. Maybe they need number eight that you haven't never uh, put together. Uh, uh, and, you know, I'm of the opinion that every message, every time we get up in the pulpit, that there's things that the Lord wants to speak in this service that he doesn't want to speak in any other service. And even though we've got notes, you know, oftentimes we'll go off on rabbit trails and go off in different places and, and say things that aren't in my notes. In fact, much of what I say is not in my notes. Uh, and, uh, and it's that way because the Spirit of God wants to speak to you, right? He wants to speak to the people that are here and here's the things that, 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 uh, that he wants you to, to know and understand today. Amen. And if, you, if uh, we came back and taught the same exact verse, we're, we're in Philippians 3.10. If we came back in a year and, and taught Philippians 3.10, it would be a completely different message, right? I mean, you'd have a few uh, fundamental uh, principles that were the same. But as far as the message itself go, it goes, it would be a completely different message. Amen. Uh, and so... Because uh, we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, and we desire to be led by the Spirit of God, and every minister should be led by the Spirit of God, even as they minister, amen? Notes are great and fine, and I'm a note person. I like notes, and there's nothing wrong with notes. You know, some people are of the opinion, well, you shouldn't have notes. Just, you know, so-and-so, they don't use notes. Well, that's great. What's that got to do with me? You know, uh, it, it's uh, Brother Hagen used notes, and, uh, and I think he did okay for himself. Uh, and it's not whether it's notes or not notes, it's uh, is the Spirit of God there, amen? But some people like, to, like to, to take a natural thing and judge you from a natural perspective and say, well, you're not as good as so-and-so. Well, first of all, it's not your job to judge me. It's not my job to judge you. And secondly, uh, it's foolish for you to judge me against somebody else. Their calling is different than my calling, amen? Doesn't mean that their calling is better than mine or worse than mine. It's just a different calling, Amen. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they'll brag about, well, so-and-so, you know, they don't use notes. and It, it just doesn't, it's just unimportant, amen? Uh, what matters is, is it, are we learning from the Word of God? Are we getting revelation for what the Word of God means in our life, amen? And so we got here to verse 10, 
And it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. And so we talked about knowing him, right? It's not just know about him, but to know him. Do you know him? Some people are so afraid of God, they won't ever know him. Well, I'm, I'm just too afraid to even talk to him. Uh, and if you really knew him, you would never have that opinion, right? There's nothing to fear about him other than, uh, you know, the reverential fear, but uh, there's no need to fear him unless you want to remain exactly the way you are and never change, right? Some people, uh, they fear God because they're afraid he's going to ask them to change. Well, you know what? He's going to ask you to change. Uh, you just got to get over it because do you look like the Lord Jesus yet? Do you sound like the Lord Jesus? Are you walking on water yet? Well, then there's changing to do, isn't there? Amen. There's more faith to know. There's more word to know. There's more spirit to know. There's more things to know. Amen. Uh, the attitudes that we have, the words that you use, all of those have to be uh, allowed to, um, to be changed. Amen. Uh, in fact, uh, just hang on there. Philippians uh, chapter 3. We're going to uh, read a verse out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, and, and so Philippians chapter 9 says in verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest by any means uh, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So if there are areas of your body that you have not put under, in other words, put under the authority of your spirit, you know, if your body just wants to flesh out, you ever wanted to flesh out, eat the entire box of donuts all in one, you know, just, you know, you eat one, you know, oh, maybe two, right? Three, well, no one's here, I'll just eat them all. Right? Just eat them all. Uh, and, and then, you know, they get home and they're like, where's the donuts, right? Well, no one was here, you know. I had a goal, and I met the goal. I ate them all. Well, you know, uh, are there any areas of your body where you need to put it under subjection? It's because it says put it under, into subjection. Subjection of what? A subjection of your spirit man, right? Well, your spirit man is perfectly aligned. Your spirit man, if it's born again, is perfectly aligned with God all the time. But your body is perfectly aligned with the sin nature all the time. And you basically have to tell it to shut up and straighten up and yield to your spirit. That's, that's part of the job uh, in this life that we have. It's unfortunate, but that's the, that's the, the uh, hand that we've been dealt. Someday we'll get a glorified body. We won't have the sin nature deal, to deal with. Between now and then, we've got this body that we have to deal with. It, it's cranky sometimes. It's tired sometimes. It, it wants to do what it wants to do sometimes. And you have to train yourself to, to tell it to shut up and do what you want it to do. Amen. It's okay to tell your own body to shut up. Uh, you know, it's not so polite to tell other people to shut up, but it's perfectly fine for you to tell your body to hush, right? To, to be quiet, to shut up, and to be under subjection of your spirit. Well, if you haven't perfected that yet, if there's still some areas of your life, then there's changing to do, isn't there? Amen? There's things to do. And it's just, that's just part of life. Amen? It's not, it's neither good nor bad. It just is. Amen? Uh, and, you know, sometimes we do get weary and, Lord, am I ever going to overcome this thing? And sometimes it's exhausting to stay the course, but you've got to stay the course. Diligence is a part of the Christian walk, amen? And sometimes people think diligence is a bad word, but it's not a bad word, it's a good word, amen? Because if, you, if you're diligent to remain in the, in the will of God, that's where all the blessings remain, amen? Uh, and so, so uh, that we may know him, so we want to know him, right? Not just know about him, we're not collecting facts about the Lord, we, we're allowing the, the Word of God to reveal who God is, who, uh, who He is, why does He do the things that He does, what does He want me to do. Uh, we want to know Him, amen? Uh, and and the, the, we talked last week about the power of His resurrection. That's just, that word power there is dunamis, the supernatural miracle working power of God, uh, of His resurrection, so that occurred, uh, His resurrection, after His resurrection occurred, then He said, I want to endue you with power from on high, right? I want to grant you and give unto you power, supernatural, miracle-working power of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Uh, and, uh, and that is the primary way that the head of the church has given to the church to witness to the world. Amen? Uh, it wasn't through, uh, through tracts or through uh, going door-to-door. And, you know, and is there anything wrong with that? You know, I don't know if there's anything uh, sinful in those things. It's just not the way the head of the church prescribed us to do it. Amen? You know, so does that mean you never use a track? I would, I would never make a law like that. That because sometimes people just, hey, you got anything I could read about the Jesus? You know, it's real short. I don't want to, you know, if it's like ten pages, that's too much, exhausting, right? Then they got like three pages. Well, here's a three-page track, right? Uh, you know, uh, you can't make a law about things, but if all you ever do is do it the way the Lord, uh, do it a different way than the Lord told you to do it, then you'd have to question whether you're in rebellion or not. 
right? Well, I don't, you know, I don't pray for the sick or I don't, you know, uh, yield to the Spirit of God and move in the Spirit like, like Philip did and like the apostles did in the book of Acts. You know, I don't do that. I'm not comfortable with that. Well, but that's the way the head of the church told us to do it. Didn't Jesus tell us to do that, right? To, uh, uh, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you're endued with power from on high. Then you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. So if the head of the church told us to do it that way, then what way should we do it? We should do it that way, right? We should, we should uh, desire to pray for the sick or pray for you know, anything. Praying for the sick is easy because if somebody is healed, that's an easy way for them to, to know that God exists, amen? And that they would, uh, like we saw in Acts chapter 8, that they gave heed to the things that Philip said, seeing the, the miracles and wonders that he did. Amen. And so when you allow the Spirit of God to work through you in signs and wonders and just, you know, it doesn't have to be spectacular like raising from the dead, but just healing somebody of a toe ache. Uh, if they've been having this toe ache and it's been bothering them for a long time and you prayed for them and they get healed, they would give heed to the things you say. Well, let me tell you about Jesus now. Let me tell you about the Savior. And, and you know, the Lord, uh, if you look at uh, in the book of Acts, the primary purpose of the spiritual gifts is for the lost. It's not for the church, it's for the lost. Because the church has the advantage of having faith. You know, any, any blessing that you can receive from God by the spiritual gifts, right? The spiritual gifts are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's nine of them, right? There's nine. Uh, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning spirit, special faith, working in miracles, gifts of healings, tongues, interpretation, tongues, and prophecy. But the power gifts, you know, which are the, the, the uh, working in miracles, gifts of healing, and special faith, uh, those are the ones that are most visible to the world, right? The, the uh, gifts of healings in particular. And uh, it, it requires very little to no faith on the receiver's part to, uh, to pray for them in that way. As long as they're not just in unbelief, just, well, I don't believe any of that stuff. Uh, if they're not that way, then they can receive from the blessings of the Lord by you yielding to the Spirit of God. But when you come into the church, the Lord's desire is that the church, because we're taught faith, are we taught faith, right? How many times do you hear about faith uh, in this church? Well, we have three services a week, so about three times a week you hear about faith, amen? Uh, some aspect of faith. Uh, and, and if you had joined us, we did a uh, faith school on Wednesday today uh, with some folks over in um, Ireland, then that had been four times this week you would have heard about faith, amen? Uh, and so uh, if you're taught faith, all the blessings that you can receive by the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, you can also receive just by faith in the Word. So if you need healing, it, it's great if somebody comes and they're especially used of healing and, and, and the Lord uses them in the area of the gifts of healing, which means that the receiver needs less faith than other people would need to receive healing. Uh, that's great. But if that fellow's gone, if he's not here and you had to go hunt him down, he's on the other side of the country and you need healing, it's difficult to find him. But uh, you can open up the word, and the Bible says that by his stripes you were healed. Well, does that work just as well? See, you can have faith in by his stripes uh, you were healed and obtain healing just by faith, just by you believing that verse. And that's the, that's the uh, best and perfect will of God, that the church can get to a point where we can receive all the blessings of God uh, without having to have anybody else. Now, uh, anything wrong with the church praying for folks? Don't we have prayer lines up here all the time? Yeah, we do all the time, right? Uh, well, not all the time, but we do on a regular basis, praying for different sicknesses or different things that the Lord wants us to pray for. And so the Lord's not opposed to doing that because everybody's at a different level of faith. Uh, and so the Lord is gracious to allow that to happen. But his, his ideal is that the church grow in faith so that we can obtain these blessings by faith so that we can use those spiritual gifts to win the lost and bring them into the church. And that's, that's, that's God's best, right? That's that's according to Acts 1.8. That would be God's ideal that the church uh, is full of faith and full of power and can go out into the world and tell the world the good news about Jesus by demonstration of, the, of his power in their life. Amen? Uh, and, and so, uh, and then we get to, uh, the, so he's got several things in here. Know him, uh, know the power of his resurrection, know the fellowship of his suffering and being made conformable unto his death. And so, the third one there then is the fellowship of his suffering. And this is, this is where all the Christians rejoice, right? That we get to rejoice because we get to suffer with the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so I'm being a little facetious there. Uh, if you're, you should never rejoice for your suffering, but uh, 
the Bible does say, in, in all things give thanks. And so it's perfectly fine in the midst of suffering to give thanks. Uh, but there was, you know, back in the 80s, um, there was a fellow who, who wrote some, a series of books. Uh, and basically the premise of the book was, uh, no matter what comes into your life, you should thank God for that thing. Because he got some revelation about the value of praising God. Well, should we praise the Lord? We should praise the Lord, right? Should we give thanks, right? In, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything, give thanks, but in everything, give thanks. Well, in everything, we should give thanks, but, but the Bible never says, for everything, give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for cancer. Should you thank the Lord for cancer if you get cancer? That would be dumb, right? I mean, who would thank God? To thank, I mean, and so, but it sold millions of copies of that book, as far as I know. And, uh, and yet, the, and, and I remember reading it, you know, and thinking, well, you know, He's got all these testimonies, and, uh, you know, it sounds good, but it's just, you know, you know, I didn't know anything, but just down here, I just, yeah, it just seems kind of wrong. I don't know to thank God for, you know, acne, and thank God for a stubbed toe, and thank God for a headache, and thank God for, you know, your hair falling out, and thank God for being overweight. And, I mean, it just seemed a little wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, just, it just seemed like there was something wrong with doing that, and it's because it wasn't biblical. And yet he sold a lot of books, amen? You know, a lot of people sell a lot of books about things. And I remember reading the book, and I read the first book, read the second book, and it kind of, kind of ran out of steam after a while. It's just, you know, just, just uh, well, uh, you know, we do suffer as Christians, amen? And so the question we've got to ask ourselves is, is in what way do we suffer, right? What, what way do we suffer in the sense that, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, uh, and I really, and personally, I haven't found a good way to, to describe it because if I say suffering that God allows in your life, you know, that implies that God wants that to happen. Well, God never wants any suffering to occur in your life. None, zero, ever. Uh, but the suffering that uh, we don't have um, uh, a lot of faith about is in the area of suffering and persecution. Now, other, so what, 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 we'll just look at uh, what, are, what are some of the ways that human beings suffer. Do we suffer under sickness and disease? Sure, sure, the human race does suffer under sickness and disease. Is that uh, something that the Lord wants us to experience? No, why not? Because His Word says that by His stripes we were healed, right? The, the Word says that I am the Lord who healeth thee. So uh, is there ever a scenario where God wants you to suffer under sickness and disease? No, there's no, there's no, in fact, every scripture related to sickness and disease says the exact opposite. I am the Lord who healed thee. So, uh, so the, the problem with Christians is we lump all suffering together and we say, well, God wants me to suffer like that. What about, um, what about poverty, right? We, we can't pay your bills and, you're, and you're, you're hungry and you're starving and you've got no clothes, no place to sleep. Uh, is poverty uh, something that God wants you to experience? No, in fact, the Bible says that, that, that he, he became poor so that we might become what? Rich, right? Isn't that what it says? It literally says that, amen? And even the poor part, you know, you could argue about whether or not Jesus was poor in what we would consider poor. Uh, he was poor as a relative term, right? Because the poorest person in America, you could take their annual income, which is something, right? Because if they're really, really poor, they'll be on government subsidies of some kind. If they could take that same government subsidies, and go to the worst third world country, they would live as a king, amen? So poor is relative to who's around you. So Jesus was poor. It was poor compared to where, where did Jesus come from? Heaven, right? And so uh, uh, is there anybody who today on the earth, whether they're uh, poor by the earth standard or rich by the earth standard, is there anybody that is close to the wealth that heaven has? No, nobody is even close, right? Even Solomon and all of his wealth was not even close to the wealth that heaven has. Uh, and so everybody is poor compared to heaven. So when Jesus left heaven, he came to the earth. And did, did Jesus ever go hungry? Never had hungry. I mean, he had, uh, how many people was on his staff? He had the 12, 12 disciples, right? Some of them, not all of them, but some of them were married, right? Uh, did they have children? Uh, we don't know of anybody in particular that had children, but typically if a Jewish family was married, a Jewish uh, man was married, they would have children. And so Jesus was responsible for the well-being of not only the 12, but the 12 and their families. Uh, and he had a personal accountant that went with him, right? Judas, you know, terrible choice for the accountant, but he still had Judas, right? Judas was, uh, he handled the money. 
Well, why did he handle the money? Well, they had so much money coming in, you know, that, that somebody had to manage it, and, and so Judas was the man. He, he handled, he handled the, uh, the finances for the ministry. You know, how many poor people have a personal CPA on their staff? Well, no poor people have a personal CPA on their staff. Uh, and so um, Jesus did. Uh, and so, you know, poor, what's that mean, right? So you've got to be careful about that particular thing. But God doesn't want us to be uh, in poverty, right? He said, he said uh, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. So he wasn't just talking about spiritual prosperity because he talked about that. And spiritual prosperity is not, he said soul specifically there in, in 3 John 2. Uh, that your soul prosper because your spirit, if it's born again, is already as prosperous as it's ever going to be. Amen. It's alive unto God. It's on its way to heaven. But your soul can be kind of squirrely, right? Your mind, your will, and your emotions can be kind of squirrely. So it needs to prosper, right? It needs to improve where it's at. But he said, I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. So he's talking about physical prosperity, not material prosperity. Amen. And of course, prosperity has a, gets a bad rap nowadays because there's so much, and there has been a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of people taking advantage of people in the church, right, and teaching uh, bad doctrine in, in relation to prosperity. Uh, is that true? That is true. But does that do away with, it, with the correct doctrine of prosperity that God wants you to prosper? It does not do, do away with that. Uh, and yet people are of the opinion that, that uh, uh, in fact, I was excoriated severely because I believe in prosperity. Uh, and, uh, and they said... Uh, in fact, they, they were talking about Brother Hagen as they were excoriating me because I believe in prosperity. And, and first of all, they said, well, the Bible says that blessed be the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? The, the Beatitudes, remember the Beatitudes, right? Uh, in fact, uh, that was, uh, if you go all the way back to, um, uh, to Luke chapter 6, it says uh, in verse 20, blessed are the poor, right? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And... Um, uh, if you want to pull that up, Jared, real quick, in Luke uh, 6.20, um, it says, Blessed be the poor, right? For yours is the kingdom of heaven. So uh, is the, that's, that's Beatitudes, right? But do we pick verses out of the context and just preach that only? No. Uh, take the same verse except open up to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 3. Matthew 5.3 and so Matthew 5, 3, same thing, except blessed are the poor, what? In spirit. in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Mark just, or Luke recorded part of what Jesus said, but Matthew recorded a little bit more of what Jesus said. So you got to, you know, you look at the whole counsel of God, and so what is Jesus saying? This is what he's saying, right? And he said the other thing, but he said more than that, and Matthew recorded a little bit more to give us some more insight, because he said blessed are the poor in spirit. Because if you think about it, if Jesus said that blessed are the poor in bank account, which is what, when people think of the word poor, that's what they think of, uh, blessed are the poor in bank account, then that means that if you happen to have a, a, a decent job, not even a, not even a great job, but a decent job that you have enough money to eat, enough money to pay your bills, you know, just uh, uh, living comfortably, right? Not your, you're not buying the biggest house, you're not, you don't have a private jet or anything like that, just normal kind of middle income, you know, even lower middle income class, then you would not be qualified for blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that means you're, you're unqualified to go to heaven. And, and this person was making the case that all of us should be poor. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? Because, because they picked out, out of context, right? They, they read Luke 6.20, but refused to acknowledge that Matthew uh, 5.3 was in the Bible. And so, so they, they started with, a, with an answer and then and then force the scriptures into their answer, right? That everybody should be poor. And that's bad, uh, being a bad student of the word, amen? We should be good students of the word. And if we think, well, God, do you, want, you really want me to be poor? And then you read uh, Luke 6.20 compared to Matthew 5.3, and you go, well, I can't base that idea on these two verses because they don't say that, right? They say, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, you've got to, you've got to acknowledge and be aware that outside of God, you have no value to anybody. Spiritually speaking, amen? That's being poor in spirit. That's, that's realizing that, you know, God, you owe me. I, you know, I've earned my way to heaven. That is not being poor in spirit, right? That's, that, that's being rich in spirit, at least thinking you're rich in spirit. Uh, and so, so uh, you know, we, we've got to make sure that we don't change the word of God. And so uh, if uh, we, now we can go back to Philippians uh, 3, verse 10 there. 
So uh, the fellowship of his sufferings, right? The fellowship of his sufferings. The, the word fellowship there means participation uh, of his sufferings. So uh, now it says the fellowship of his sufferings. So who's the his that they're talking about there? Jesus, right? So what was the ultimate suffering that Jesus experienced? You know, death on the cross, right? So does the Lord want us to physically all die on a cross? No, well, why not? Well, the reason why is because that was a substitutionary sacrifice. That was something he did uh, in substitution of us because all of us, if we had to pay for our own sins, all of us are qualified to go to a cross, right? If you had to pay for your own sins, you'd be worthy of death, right? Compared to uh, the perfect and holy and just God, you'd be worthy of death. So Jesus chose as an act of his will to substitute himself for our death, right? He died so that we don't have to die in that way to, and pay for our own sins. So uh, uh, if you look at all of the life of Jesus and you look at all of the suffering he did, you have to remove the suffering that he did that replaced our suffering and, that, and so that we, we don't have to suffer like that. So the fellowship of his suffering does not include anything he did on our behalf. So what would that include? Well, it would include dying for our sins. So do you have to die for your own sins? No, you don't have to die for your own sins. Jesus already died for your sins. That was a part of the substitution sacrifice. So uh, we don't have to die for our sins, amen? So that part of suffering, of, of shedding our blood for our sins is not on the table for our lives uh, because Jesus already did that. What about the, the, the by his stripes you were healed? Do you have to be beaten in order to uh, pay for something? No, you don't have to be beaten in order to pay for anything to earn any kind of favor with God or with man. So, uh, so in, in that sense, then we don't have to suffer like that. Is that the only suffering that Jesus ever did? Is there any other kind of suffering that Jesus did when he was on the earth? Anybody know? What about thorns, uh, a crown of thorns? Do we have, all have to wear crowns of thorns? Uh, no, because that was, again, part of the subsidiary sacrifice, right? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Uh, and so we don't have to suffer like that. But was he ever persecuted? He was persecuted from the, from the day he, he uh, was uh, uh, baptized in the River Jordan, right? When he started his ministry, uh, from that day he immediately went into, into the wilderness and was tempted of, of the devil for 40 days. Uh, he actually was in the wilderness for 40 days, and then he was tempted of the devil. And, uh, and the Bible says at the end of that that the devil left him for a season. And from that point on, for the rest of his ministry, he was constantly being persecuted by the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, all of the people who hated, who hated faith, right, who hated God. Uh, even though they, they professed to know God and, and professed to be children of Abraham, Jesus said, uh, you can't be children of Abraham because Abraham would have never done the things you're doing. Uh, and so, so Jesus was persecuted for the word, amen, because he spoke the word. And, and so is that an area that we will experience in this, in this earth? It is an area that we will experience in this earth. If you live, for, if you live by faith, you will, be, you will be persecuted. If you follow the word of God, you will be persecuted. Uh, and so uh, for us, then we have to decide, is it worth the cost? Is it worth that I'm going to choose to live by faith and somebody will not be happy? Just like I live by faith and believe in prosperity, so that made somebody unhappy. They were very mad at me there. They said that, in fact, we didn't finish that story, but they said that, that Kenneth Hagin uh, has taught so much false doctrine uh, related to prosperity. And I said, how is that even possible? I have read it, probably everything he's ever written about prosperity, and there's nothing unusual. There's nothing, you know, extreme at all. Basically, he says, you know, just be faithful to give tithes and offerings as the Lord directs you. And, and he said that with good measure, press down, shaking together and running over, so men give it to your bosom. Is, is there anything really um, extreme about that message? Nothing extreme at all. It's very basic, right? Uh, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is that still in Philippians 4.19? We haven't made it there yet, but we're headed that way. Is that still in the Bible? What's still? But my God shall supply how many of your needs? All of them, right? Uh, is, is that okay? Would you be prosperous if you had all your needs met? You had no bills, no debt? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that make you prosperous, right? I mean, uh, anybody would say, well, that's they have no debt. I must be a prosperous person. Uh, and yet, uh, uh, they said, he's, he's taught. And I said, and, you know, normally I don't, I said, uh, uh, you know, tell me one thing he said. Just tell me one thing he said that's extreme, that would violate any principle of the Word of God. 
well, it wasn't him. It's, it's the people that went to his school. Well, now, you're just making it up now. Because who, who, who from his school do you know that has taught something like that? And even if somebody that went to his school and came out and taught some crazy ideas, which I don't know anybody in particular that did, but you know, let's just say they did because there's thousands of people went to his school. You think every single one of them is going to preach exactly what Brother Hagin preached? You think some just make up stuff even though they went to his school and they get out and they just make up stuff? Well, sure. Is that Brother Hagin's fault that people go to his school and then make up crazy doctrine? Well, no, but, but they're so mad at me. So mad at me. Why are you mad at me? I didn't do anything. I, in fact, I had done, and that particular person, I helped them so much. I gave them so much stuff, gave them all kinds of things, all, thousands of dollars worth of stuff, you know, uh, into their life. And they're mad at me because I don't know why they're mad at me, right? But uh, they didn't mind taking all the things I gave them, right? Uh, and I didn't see them giving stuff like that to other people because, you know, if you're broke, you ain't giving stuff to people, right? And, and look, you know, I'm not mad at nobody for you not giving stuff to people, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, there was only, it was only one way direction. I don't remember them ever giving me anything. Not that I, it's not a goal, you know, I'm not trying to get anything out of anybody at all, right? I'm just saying, I remember I gave a lot of stuff to them and their family. And I don't remember them ever giving me anything. Uh, and so, uh, again, nobody owes me anything. I'm not trying to get anything. Don't, if you give me a, a penny after church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it down. I'm not taking it, you know. I'm not trying to get anything from anybody. But the hope, the, he was just mad. Why are you mad at me, right? I, I didn't do anything. So, you know, in his mind, we should all be in poverty, and yet poverty is part of the curse of the law, right? If you go back to Deuteronomy 28, cursed, right? Your, your cows are going to die, your chickens are going to die, your crops are going to fail, right? Everything's going to die. Uh, well, that's poverty. That's part of the curse, amen? Well, we, we've been redeemed from the curse. So if you go to the blessings, everything you, hand, you lay your hands to prospers. Isn't that what the, Deuteronomy 28 says? Everything you lay your hands to will prosper. Well, is that part, is that We've been redeemed from the curse, but we've never been redeemed from the blessings. So if you, go, if you find any blessing in the old covenant, it still belongs to us as children of Abraham because it was under the covenant of Abraham. We are now children of Abraham, so any of that stuff that was part of the Abrahamic covenant belongs to us in the good sense. Uh, and so, uh, so, so where do we suffer? Well, we suffer. The only area of, of the church that we'll ever suffer is, is under persecution. And even in that, uh, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Paul's uh, suffering that he, that he mentions a little bit about it. Um, you know, when Jesus was persecuted, he was persecuted probably every single day. I mean, you know, there may have been days when he was out praying in a, in a wilderness and behind a stump somewhere they couldn't find him to persecute him. So he probably had a day or two here and there. But for the most part, if there was people around him, somebody was probably trying to persecute him. Uh, and so, but, but what does that mean? Well, they would, you know, that... Uh, they never physically touched him, right? Because every time they tried to physically touch him, he would walk through the midst. Uh, they never did stone him physically, but if they ever tried to stone him, which they did, remember they t- took up stones to, to stone him, and it says he walked through the midst of them. You remember in Luke chapter 4, they took him up to the hill, they're going to throw him over the cliff of the hill, and they, so they physically grabbed him, took him to the edge of the hill, to got, at least got close enough there, and it says he walked through the midst of them. You know, and, uh, and I think it was a supernatural event, you know, some people think it was just, he just talked his way out of it. You know, boys, I, I think your mom's calling, you know. I, oh, what, what? And, he, you know, he tricked him or something. I don't, I don't think he tricked him at all. I think he just walked to the midst of him. You know, he was there one second. The next second he was gone, you know. And, and so, uh, but, you know, you, uh, if you want to believe that there's no supernatural aspect of God, that's fine. I think there's every aspect of God is supernatural. And so, uh, you know, I, I prefer... Personally, I prefer to look at the, the model of Jesus because uh, he was persecuted, right? He was attacked verbally all the time. Uh, tried to, uh, they tried to run him down and accuse him of all manner of evil. You're casting out devils by the devil. You know, just terrible things, right? Uh, and, you know, people, uh, to me, have said things uh, like, well, you know, you're the worst teacher ever. Uh, and, and, you know, why do they say that? Because the devil knows that that's the call of God in my life. And, and that person was yielding to the, to the devil, hoping that they could score some points against me by saying the very thing that I'm called to do, right? If they said, you're the worst, very worst basketball player in the world. I'm like, no, that may be true. I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, so, you know, it, it wouldn't be a big deal, right? If they said something like that, but if they said the very call, you're the worst pastor. They said the worst pastor. You're not feeding the sheep at all. Well, you know, that's kind of close to home because that's what, that basically what I do, right? I'm a pastor. I feed the sheep by teaching. And so you're a terrible pastor, and, you, and you, you run the church terribly, and you're a terrible teacher. 
Well, that's persecution, right? And, you, you know, it's like, okay, praise God, you know, because the way I see it is, is if I continue in this path, I'm not trying to make anybody unhappy, right? And my goal is not, you know, I'm going to say that I'll make you mad. But, you know, faith makes people mad. People who want to live by the flesh, faith will make them mad. It, they don't like it because faith says you are responsible for your life, good or bad. Whatever your life is right now, it's all on you. Don't anybody else, it's all on you. And faith says you can get out of it anytime you want to and, and have the life that you want anytime you want to. Well, that message right there is the essence of faith and how many people get mad at that. Well, it, it isn't my fault. It's 100% your fault. I mean, you know, you want to argue about it? Uh, uh, we just take it one point at a time, right? Let's start with, you know, where you want to start, right? I'll give you a list. Uh, and, and, but we're not mad at anybody, but that's just the way it is, amen? Uh, and so, so you will be persecuted, but when Jesus was persecuted, they never could, they never could harm him physically, right? Uh, although they tried. Now, when you get into the, into, the, into the church, into the book of Acts, we see a lot of things where, where the church was harmed. In fact, many of them were martyred, right? James was martyred, right? Uh, in the book of Acts, Stephen was martyred in the book of Acts. Uh, and, uh, uh, and no doubt a lot of the people that Paul threw in prison died in prison because of his actions. Uh, and, and so the question that I have, and I, and I don't have an answer for this, so if you have an answer, let me know. The question that I have is, uh, do we have a right in the church to live like Jesus did where we wouldn't suffer physical harm or even death uh, under persecution uh, if we're living for the Lord? Now, that's a question that to me is an outstanding question that I still have. You know, one of these days, uh, I hope the Lord would just give me some revelation about it because he'd have to give me to, from the word of God. Uh, and why, why do we see such a di distinction between Jesus and the Gospels and the church in the book of Acts, in the area of persecution. They were both persecuted, right? But Jesus was never physically harmed, but many were physically harmed even to the point of death in, in the book of Acts. And I know that Jesus talks about martyrs, right, that there'll be martyrs, but he never said it's my will for people to be martyrs. You know, sometimes people just, you know, like Stephen, uh, uh, he, he uh, at the end of uh, chapter 7, it says he knelt down as they stoned him and he looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus, you know, receiving him into heaven. But could, could Stephen have stood up and walked to the midst of them? Yeah, it's a question now. I don't know the answer to that question, but I know what happened. But the, so there's no doctrine either way. But at the very least, for sure, we're going to suffer persecution, right? And what, what does that look like? What, what, uh, how far do we allow that to go? Because for one thing, the Bible does say that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of, out of how many of them? All of them, right? So wouldn't that include persecution? See, see to me, uh, I, I would wonder, and I, you know, if I ever got into that situation, because I've never been physically persecuted, right? I've never been thrown in jail uh, and beaten, right? Uh, or um, uh, in that sense. And so if that ever occurred, you know, I would, at that moment, I'd, I'd talk to the Lord. Lord, you know, um, I don't care to do anything that you need me to do or want me to do, but, uh, yeah, I'd like to see if there's a way out, right? I mean, did, wasn't uh, Peter released from prison by the angel? Didn't Paul and Silas pray and, and sing praises at midnight? And wasn't, wasn't the uh, prison doors all opened? You know, so they escaped right there. So there, there are plenty of examples where they escaped any physical harm in that. You know, the, uh, uh, I don't know if, uh, uh, I think Paul and Silas were beaten in, in, in Acts chapter 16 there. Uh, but I don't know if Peter was, was physically harmed in that. Uh, is there an opportunity for the church to pray and avoid physical harm? Because... From my perspective, you know, if you're beat physically beyond the ability to, to function as a, uh, in, in a normal sense, you're limited in completing the call of God to go into all the world. Amen? Uh, and so, to, uh, in my heart, it seems as though there's an opportunity for us to get out of some physical, uh, physical persecution. But uh, I don't see any, uh, any place in the Word of God that says that we can avoid all uh, verbal persecution. Right, where they accuse you of all manner of evil and they say things about you and they co confront you face to face and tell you that you're a terrible pastor, a terrible Christian, or a terrible father, or a terrible husband uh, because they don't like your stance on faith. Uh, I don't see anywhere that you'll ever avoid that, right? Uh, and so, uh, so in that, you know, uh, he said the fellowship of his suffering. So for sure at that level where people will persecute you because of your faith, that's going to happen. The Bible says that, that uh, persecution ariseth immediately for what? The word's sake, right? Not for your sake, not because you're such a wonderful person, but because you live by the word and you speak the word and you believe the word, 
Because of that, you're going to be persecuted. So here's a question for us. Well, I don't want any persecution. Well, there's a really good way to avoid all persecution is to not live by faith. Just forsake the word of God. I don't believe any of that stuff. I'm just going to go to heaven. That's it. The rest of the stuff, you know, Lord, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to be involved with that. Well, I mean, that's, that's fine, except what do you miss out on? Literally all the blessings of God. Because you, you, you miss out on all the blessings of God for healing, for prosperity, for soundness of mind, for fullness of joy, for peace. You, you miss out on all the blessings of God. To me, are all the blessings of God, are they not all worth whatever persecution you have to suffer to give that? You know, if someone comes to me and says, I don't believe in that healing stuff, you know, I'd be like, I do. And I live in divine health all the time which is way better than you, who's sick all the time. I'd much rather live in my, in my faith of healing than your doubt, uh, your faith in sickness. Uh, and so if you're going to persecute me because of my healing, I'm okay with that, right? I, I mean, I, you, you're mad at me because I feel good? Okay, that's really dumb, but I, I'll take that, right? I will take that all day long. You know, you're going to be mad at me because I'm prosperous, and the alternative is to be poor like you? Uh, okay, that's a pretty fair. I'll take that. I'll take that deal all day long, right? I mean, you don't persecute me because of that? Uh, no problem. I'll be glad to do it, right? Persecute me because I believe God's a good God. You know, there was a time when, when uh, people went to, to Brother Hagin and said, Brother Hagin, you know, um, uh, uh, Oral Roberts is going across the country and he's come to our church and other churches and, and, and he keeps saying that God is good. Okay. Would you ask him to quit saying that? Or you want me to ask uh, Brother Roberts to quit saying that God is good. And yet, how many times the Bible said that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever? Many times, right? It's repeated many times in the word of God. Well, have him quit saying that. Well, why do you want him to quit saying it? Because when, when ministers get up and tell the church that God is good, they're left with the impression that God is good. And we don't want people to think God is good because we want them to think that God is mad at them, that God is out to get them, God's going to strike them dead if they, if they sin and, and miss the mark even a hair we don't want to think God is good. I mean, then they'll just, they're just going to live like free people and, and act like, you know, like God is good and, and, and not be under pressure to do things. And instead of, you know, instead of doing things, you know, if you love me, keep my commandment, you know, doing it that way. If you fear death, you'll keep my commandment. See, the, a lot of the church would, would, would put people in the fear of God, the fear of death, fear of being struck by lightning if they mess up. And that keeps people in line, right? That, you better come and volunteer on Saturday or God's going to, you know, murder your dog. And I, it's like, you know, it just, we're just cleaning the church, you know. I mean, I love my dog, but, you know, I mean, I'm busy Saturday and God's going to get your dog. And, well, you know, I mean, it's just, and, and a lot of the church would do that. They would get people to, they would get people to give. They would get people to volunteer by pressuring them with a fear of God, fear of destruction in their life. You say, what's God going to do if I don't volunteer? Love him. I mean, you know, if you want to, I mean, you know, if you're out of the will of God, do you, do you get his blessings? So if you never, ever helped with anybody, you've never gave anything, you know, would you get the blessings of God? No, you've got to be obedient to the Lord. If he says to go, you've got to go. If he says give, you've got to give. But if you don't go, if you don't give, he's not going to curse you. You're not going to die. You just don't get the blessings that come along with obedience. Amen. You don't get the curse because aren't we redeemed from the curse? We are redeemed from the curse, amen? So you're not cursed if, you know, the Old Testament, Malachi says in chapter 3 that if you don't give, you don't give tithes and offerings, you're cursed with a curse. But we live in the New Testament. You know, if you don't give tithes and offerings, you're not cursed with a curse. But Jesus said, given shall be given unto you, so you don't get that. Right? You don't get the given shall be given unto you because you're not giving, but you don't get the curse. So you're kind of in the neutral zone. You're basically on your own. Well, that's not a great place to be. I mean, it's fine, but it's not a great place to be. It's better to be obedient to the Lord and, and get his blessings by the obedience, amen? Uh, and so, so we will suffer persecution. And um, you've got to decide, is following the Lord in faith and receiving the blessings of faith more valuable to me uh, than not having persecution? Uh, and for me, it's not even, a, it's not even close. It's not even, it's not even consideration. You want to be mad at me because I live by faith. I mean, excuse me while I yawn, right? It's so boring, right? There's such a boring, such boring persecution that you're going to be mad at me because I believe that God walks on streets of gold. Oh, the Bible says he walks on streets of gold. Don't be mad at me because the Bible says 
that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You're going to be mad at me because the Bible says that the, the, the cattle on a thousand, hills, a thousand hills is his. You're going to be mad at me because God said the gold is mine, the silver is mine. You're going to be mad at me because God said I'll, I'll, everything you lay your hands to, I'll prosper. You're going to be mad at me because all those verses that I didn't write, that the Lord wrote for our, on our behalf, and I believe all of them, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd take that deal all day long, all day long. Right. You want to persecute me because I believe God? No problem. Amen. So, but, but you've got to decide that because people will shun you if they, oh, you go to that faith church. They will shun you. You know, there, there's lots of people who shun me. But, oh, you're one of those, you're one of those faith people. Yeah, absolutely. Guilty as charged, right? And, and then you see on Facebook where they're going to the doctor and they've got to have, you know, a brain transplant or something every time, you know, and, uh, and, and it's like, well, Okay, you don't believe God, and I, I'm not. I'm not judging anybody. I'm not hoping that they, you know. I, don't, I wish no ill will on them at all, but they have no testimony of the goodness of God in their life because they don't believe in the goodness of God. And you know, and, and if you believe God, goodness will come into your life. Amen. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'm not. I'm not mad at them. I wish no ill will on them. I, I wish they would get the light of God. Right, get the revelation of God. So, are you going to be persecuted? You will be. Is it worth it? It's not, even, it's not a measure of is it worth it or not. It just is, right? Uh, and you're blessed, right? And so, now, um, you know, there is suffering. There is suffering that has to happen. People will say those things. Uh, and, and you've got to be careful in your life not to have a desire, Lord, I want to do whatever I can to avoid any suffering. I want everybody to love me. And, you know, I could get up here and preach things that you all would love me all the time. I mean, everybody would love me. You know, we would, you'd all die tomorrow probably because you're not getting any faith. But, you know, I could preach where you'd all love me, right? And I, I, now I don't preach for you all to, to, uh, to hate me or anything. But, you know, we, we can adjust our lives where there is no persecution. And Jesus said, you need to be careful. If everybody speaks good of you, you've got to be careful. Amen. Now, is it my goal for people to speak ill of me? I have no goal of that at all. I, I desire nobody to speak ill of me, but people do speak ill of me. Amen. Uh, in fact, when I was with my, with my pastor, you know, one of the things about suffering is you'll find that, that suffering occurs the more that you desire to help people. And, uh, you know, when I was with my pastor, my goal only there when I was there was only to help everybody. And, and I had no ulterior motives. I had no ambition. You know, uh, I was a sound man and, and I had no ambition to to run the church or do anything, you know, and I, I did, I was on the board of the church, I was an elder of the church, I did a lot of things, and I got fired from the board, I got fired from being an elder, you know, but I got rehired as a board, rehired as an elder, I mean, it just, you know, it was, it was crazy time, right, uh, but uh, there were people who just despised me, and, and this one family in particular, uh, the wife said, if he was on fire, I wouldn't spit on him to put him out. Can you imagine a, a Christian saying that about anybody else? Now, if you look at the history of what I had done with that family, all I ever did was help them. I had been to the house so many times and helped them, helped them build their house, helped them move, helped them do things, just uh, gave them uh, like two or three winters worth of, of firewood from a tree that we cut down. It was like a giant red oak tree, and, and it filled up their entire, you know, oak you know, would burn really well, right? Uh, fill up their entire place for wood, and overflowed it, right? And the, the whole thing, that, that would have been two or three winters worth of wood that they could burn just from one tree, right? Uh, stuff like that all the time. Uh, for years, we helped them, right? It was a blessing to them. Uh, and, and there's no, there's no, yeah, if you could go back in history, there's no time when I ever was unkind to them, when I ever was, was, uh, was rude to them or unkind to them in any way. And yet, uh, because there's mass hysteria in the church and it was all pig pile on chip at, at one point in time they jumped on the bandwagon and and got and, and couldn't stand me right couldn't couldn't even stand me to the point where if they said i was on fire I wouldn't spit them out wouldn't spit on me to put me out which is just really i mean it, it's pathetic right I mean, can you imagine saying that right it makes a good story of course but um but you know but the reason why is because i wouldn't yield to i wouldn't yield to the the cultish mentality that they were under, right? They were under the cultish mentality that the pastor could do no wrong. Everything he said came from the throne of heaven only. And, and, I, and I, I couldn't sign up for that. Now, I, I love my pastor. I honored him. I, I look forward to seeing him again someday. I still call him my pastor, right? I still call him 
Uh, and, I, and I call him by, I can't call him by his first name. I call him pastor, right? Uh, and so, uh, but because I wouldn't yield to them and, you know, because after a while I just said, Lord, I, I, I can't repent for things I haven't done. You know, I just, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm not that kind of person, right? I just, I can't yield when there's no yielding, right? You know, some things aren't important. You can yield, no big deal. But some things are important and you can't yield. And I'm just the kind of person that I just, you know, I'm not this, this, this martyr, you know, I'm trying to, I'm not, I, I have no desire to be persecuted, but I just, if it's in the word of God, I cannot yield. If that's, I just, if it's there, I just, if that's what it is. Well, I don't believe in healing. I, it's just what it, that's what it's, it says we're healed. So, well, you so-and-so died. I don't care. It's the, I'm healed. The Bible says I'm healed. I can't, you know, it, well, you know, I don't like you because of that. It's not, I just, I'm sorry. You know, I really am sorry. It's not my problem. It's really your problem, right? Uh, and so, uh, so there, there was a lot of people who got crossways with me over the years, and I suffered a lot, right? I suffered, for, you know, and we won't go into all the things that I suffered, but it was all verbal, right? It was, you know, they tried to destroy my character. They said that I lied. They said, I, you know, I did these things, that I was, you know, over there sabotaging the sound booth and, and just all kinds of, uh, of accusations of, of uh, things that I never did. And, and, you know, for me at the time, and I did overcome it eventually, you know, the, where, where it was uh, fairly easy to overcome, over, overcome the, uh, uh, the persecution, it was really easy to overcome the persecution from everybody except for the pastor. But I just really struggled with, you know, why, of all the people, why is he persecuting me? And he did, because one time he got up in the pulpit and said, Chip Bowler is trying to take over this ministry. From the pulpit, right, on a Wednesday night, Chip Bowler is trying to take over this ministry. And I had no designs on this ministry. I had no desire to do that. You know, none, zero. I mean, just I, just, I fear God too much to do things like that, right? I mean, just no way. I, I fear God way more than I fear any, any human being. Uh, and, and I fear God more than I desire things, amen? Some people desire things more than they fear God, and they'll do whatever they have to to get the things. But I, I just, you know, I never, never did that. And so uh, it, was, it was more difficult, but I did overcome it. Eventually got to where it, it, didn't, uh, it, it didn't consume my life, amen? So you will be persecuted, and, and you've got to just be okay with that in a sense that, yeah, I'm persecuted, but along with it, I get all the blessings of God, right? Uh, and just real quick, um, let's turn over to, to Mark chapter 10, and, and then we'll go. Uh, if you go to Mark chapter 10, in Mark chapter 10, you know, earlier in the chapter, it talks about the rich young ruler, right? Uh, and, and so uh, Jesus said here... Um, and starting in verse 23, it says, Jesus looked round about and said to the disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Or with what difficulty? Well, why is that? Because people that have a lot of things uh, before they have God, it's hard for them to get God because they think that their things make them God, right? It's, they, they think a lot of themselves because they have things. And not, not too different from this rich young ruler. How difficult. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. And the disciples were astonished at his words because the, the idea of this time frame was if you were wealthy, you were a godly person. And Jesus said, actually, that's not true. It's the other way around. And so they're thinking, well, well that really blows our minds. You're telling us that if they're rich, that they aren't actually close to God. And this is what he said. He said, it's, he said how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And that's the key right there. Where is their trust? It's in things, right? I, I'm a billionaire. Uh, I am God. How many billionaires have a godlike complex? There's a lot of them, right? They think because they have enough zeros at the end of their name that, that somehow that gets them into heaven. God is, yawns at that, right? It's boring to the Lord because your riches, your billions of dollars are nothing compared to what he has, right? Uh, and so, but he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Did he say it was impossible? And again, they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Because they were really easily swayed by rich people and thinking, well, that guy, he must be God, right? And Jesus saying, no, it's boring. And so they're thinking, well, if they can't make it, then we've got no hope. And you see, and Jesus looked unto them and said in verse 27, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. So, you know, anybody can get saved, rich or poor. And then Peter said unto him, lo, we have left all and followed thee. So, you know, Peter's now making a distinction. Well, that guy's rich, not going to make it, but we've left everything. We have nothing. We literally have nothing right now, and we followed you. What about us? 
And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's sake. He shall receive a hundredfold. When? Verse 30, what's it say? When will we receive a hundredfold? Now in this time, right? So not in the future, not in heaven, right? Not when we get to heaven. Now, right? In this time. Not the future today, right now. If we, do, if we give up anything for the Lord, he's going to restore that to us. And what's he? A hundredfold. So it's not talking about giving and receiving in a sense like an offering. This is like, what have you given up in your life to pursue God? Right? What, have you, what have you laid down in order to find God? And he said, if you've laid down anything, he said, I mean, sometimes, because he's talking about here, houses, right? Sometimes if your house is a, 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 a point of pride for you, you may have to give it up, right? But also brethren, sisters, mothers, children. Sometimes you've got to walk away from family. If they're holding you back, from, from finding God, sometimes you've got to walk away. And he says, he says if you do that, because he said, that's what he's saying, if you give up the, the, these family for my sake of the gospel's sake, because didn't he have to walk away from his mother and, and his brothers and sisters? They didn't believe him at all. Remember, they came to him and said, hey, your, your, your mother and, and sisters are outside and brothers are outside. He said, who's my mother and brothers? Anybody who follows God's will is, is, is uh, my, my family. And he didn't go out to them. Why? Because of this right here, right? Sometimes you've got to stay, stay the course with God. Uh, is it worth it? Well, he said you'll get a hundredfold. He said you'll get more brothers and sisters, right? More family members it, it will be returned unto you. Maybe your family that had left you will come back. Now, his did, right? All of his brothers got, got saved. His, of course, his mother was saved. Uh, we don't know any about the sisters, but I assume they got saved too uh, of Jesus. He said you get them back. And lands. Well, what's lands? Well, lands are prosperity, right? Lands are where you, you grow things, grow crops and cattle. That's prosperity, right? Financial prosperity. Uh, if, uh, and, but with persecutions. See, we don't like that part. But it's part of it, right? If you live by faith, you're going to get all this good stuff, but you're going to get persecuted as well. Is it worth it to have all that stuff with a little persecution? I think it's probably, I mean, I, I, you know, Pretty sweet deal to me, right? I mean, you're going to be mad at me, but I get to live like a king? Okay, I, I will live as a king uh, and pray for you, right? Because you're mad at me. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's pretty, pretty easy uh, choice right there, right? Uh, and so now the, the issue is if you decide to keep your kingdom, keep your lands, keep your houses to avoid persecution, well, then God's not on your side. He's not helping you with that, right? Uh, and so, again, you don't have to get, get rid of anything in particular, but if the Lord says to get rid of it, then you've got to get rid of it for his sake, right? Uh, because if you live for his sake, you're going to get, uh, in this time, houses and lands, right? As far as natural things, houses and lands. Anything wrong with having houses and lands? Nothing wrong. Is that what Jesus said? Now, see, you've got to do that by living for him and not by getting it out of your own, your own uh, uh, hook and crook, right? By getting it through ulterior motives that shouldn't be done. Uh, and so, and said, so, and in the world to come, eternal life. So, so there is persecution that comes, amen? If you live for God, there is persecution that will come, amen? Uh, is, it worth the, is it worth the exchange to follow faith and, and somebody's not happy? Uh, I mean, it's not, it, it's so, to me, it's so extreme. It's like, you know, you mean I can have a five-course meal of fried chicken and mashed potatoes, or I can have, you know, like, cooked spinach or, you know, something gross like that, you know. I mean, it's not even close, right? It's not, it's just, you know, it's a bad comparison, amen? Uh, and so, uh, and if you like cooked spinach, it's fine, it's fine, you know. Don't, don't persecute me because I said, you know, spinach was a bad thing. It's just cooked spinach, right? And my wife loves cooked spinach, so for her, that's not even a, 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 a competition. But anyway, so are, are we going to live for faith? See, if you live for faith, if you live by faith, you will be persecuted, Amen? And if you're never persecuted, oh, I want to check up on how much faith you really live in because Jesus said if everybody speaks well of you, you've got to be careful, right? Uh, do we have a goal to harm anybody or to intentionally offend anybody or, or to tell somebody to judge them and saying that they're not a person of faith? No, we don't do any of those things. But if you breathe air and walk by faith, uh, uh, the world will hate you and much of the church will despise you. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but it's the, that's the reality of it. Amen. Um, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that we can choose to live by faith. If we live by faith, Father, all of the blessings of heaven become ours. 
Father, we have houses and lands and children and, and, and fathers and mothers and brethren. Father, we have such a wonderful blessing to come by living by faith. You said now in this time, uh, in eternal life, Father, uh, in, in eternity, Father, we'll have the, the fullness of life, the God kind of life. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you that we choose to live by faith. Uh, if we see it in your word, we choose to believe it. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. You know, you should never look for persecution. Amen. You should never strive for persecution. Persecution is not a goal. Uh, we don't intend to offend anybody. We don't intentionally, you know, if, if, uh, if somebody asked me to speak at their church and say it was a denominational church, I would not go into that church and teach uh, speaking with other tongues and raising people from the dead. Uh, if it's a Baptist church, I would teach on salvation or, you know, something that they would be okay with. Amen. I wouldn't go with the intention of offending them. Well, they need to hear the word of God. Well, is, not, is salvation not the word of God? It is, amen. And it would be unlike the Lord to go in there and intentionally offend people uh, in their church, amen. Now, my church, I preach whatever I want to, right? But if I go to somebody else's church, I, get a, you know, I will preach within the constraints of that ministry, amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive the Seekings offering. And so uh, um, Sunday, we will have uh, Pastor Edwin Anderson will be with us. Uh, and his wife Angela will be uh, traveling along with them and uh, looking forward to seeing them and you'll, you'll, you will thoroughly enjoy uh, his ministry. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And um, like I said, he's the kind of fellow that you get around and you just like, you know, you just, he's just, you know, one of those folks, you just, he's a real likable fella. And, um, and he's got, he's got a, an interesting testimony because he hadn't always lived for God, amen? You know, some people that come out of the womb living for God, you ever notice that, you know? I wasn't that way, but I never really, I wasn't a really big uh, sinner. I was kind of a failure as a sinner. You know, you people just, you know, try to sin, just not any good at it, so you've got to get saved. That was kind of me, right? I just was a failure as a sinner, and so I needed God, amen? Uh, now, he was a professional sinner. He also needed God, but he found him, amen? And so um, he, uh, you'll enjoy him when he, when he gets here. So, all right, we'll be blessed, uh, and we'll see you all on Sunday. <laughs>